open your Bibles. Yes. Go with me to 2 Timothy and chapter 4. We've been looking at two verses. Verses 7 and 8. And today I shall round up this four-part series that I began to talk to you for some time. Two verses, verses 7 and 8, 2 Timothy and chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. When I started talking about this, I said it was my time of looking into God's word in my private time, in my devotional time. When I opened this place in the word and I felt in my spirit that this is a packed verse. There is so much to see in these two verses. And the Lord put on my heart that this is not just a message for you, God will. This is a message for the church. And so I looked at the fight. Everyone said the fight. The fight. That's what we looked at the first week. He says, I have fought the good fight. Notice, Paul had come to the end of his life. You and I cannot say we have fought the good fight because you and I are still fighting. Paul could say, I have fought the good fight. If you notice, he did not say, I fought a good fight. He said, I fought the good fight. Did you get that? He said, I fought the good fight, not a good fight. And I've emphasized that the only fight the believer is engaged in is the fight of faith. There is no other fight the believer in Christ is engaged in. Paul writes to Timothy and says, fight the good fight of faith. That's the only fight you fight. You are not in a boxing ring with Satan. Going for 12 rounds and expecting to knock him out. Because Jesus has already knocked him out. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. amen. The Bible says that Jesus triumphed over the devil. He made a public show of the devil triumphing over him. He stripped the devil. Now the devil has no power. The devil has no authority over a believer in Christ. I need you to understand that because the way a lot of people present the devil, it seems like the devil is on top of our heads. But the New Testament reveals to us that the believer in Christ has been delivered. Delivered from what? Colossians 1.13. Delivered from the power of darkness. We have been delivered. But you see, the enemy will still try to get you. How does it do it? Through deception. Is that correct? That is the reason why you must keep pushing back and resisting and enforcing the victory that Jesus has given you. And how do you push back? How do you enforce the victory of Calvary? The only way to do it is by faith. So what is the fight of faith? The fight of faith is to 
ignore what's happening around you. What's happening around you and what you're hearing and to believe only what God says about you. If the devil says you are sick, God says you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now the choice is yours. You are either going to believe God or you believe the devil. There is no one that sits on the fence. If the devil says you are broke, you say, no, I'm not broke. Because we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that he was so very rich. But for our sakes, he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, please, I want you to understand that's not spiritual riches. Because a lot of people know how to discard the word of God. By saying, no, that's not material blessing. That is not material wealth. That is spiritual. But no, it is not. It's material. Can someone say amen? amen? So you can decide to believe the account or the report of the devil. Or you can choose to believe the report of God. But I choose to believe God's report. And the only fight we fight is a fight of faith. The fight to stay where God has put us. The fight to resist what the devil tries to put on us. And we gave you the example of the woman who Elisha had declared over her. By this time next year you shall have a son. She had a son. The son was about 12, 14 years old. And the enemy came and tried to steal her son by killing the boy. And the woman kept saying, it is well. Tell somebody it is well. So we talked about the fight. The fight is to say, Lord, I don't care what I hear. I don't care what's happening around me. I only believe in your word. And those who believe in his word will see the word of God work for them. People say, believe me and I'll show you. God says, uh, pardon, people say, uh, uh, show me and I'll believe. But God said, believe me, I'll show you. Our walk is a walk of faith. We live in a very volatile time in society. We live in a very tough time in society. And if you are not in faith, the enemy is going to take you out. Are you listening to me? I don't think there is a better time in history, in church history, to walk in faith than today. The coming of Jesus is close. And this is not a time to cave in. This is not a time to give up. This is not a time to back out. This is a time to press in and press through. Are you listening to me? So that's the only fight we fight. is a fight of faith. So Paul said, I have fought the good fight. You and I can say we fought the good fight. What you and I can say is we are fighting the good fight. Because it's a daily fight to stay in faith. It's a daily fight to keep what God has given to you. It's a daily fight to stay in the center of the will of God. When suggestions are coming from all over the place to get you to derail from what God wants you to do. And the place that God has set you. And all this pressure shall come. But those that have built their lives upon the truth of the word. They shall stand in faith and the pressures of life will fade away. Are you listening to me? Everyone said the fight. Tell someone that's the only fight you fight. The fight of faith. The second week we looked at the race. 
Paul said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And on that day, I used the example of a sports person. And I told you how regimented sports people are. Sportsmen and women are not lazy people. Sportsmen and women understand there is a prize to win. Not everyone who starts the race finishes it. Not everyone who starts a 100-meter dash crosses the line. Not everyone who runs in a marathon finishes. Some people are exhausted on the way and they give up. Is that correct? And so you hear people talk about, can a Christian lose his salvation? Can a Christian have a demon? All these things that people have been debating over for many, many years in church history. I just blew that thing out the window. Because see, can a Christian have a demon? There's my answer. A Christian can have whatsoever he wants. Can a Christian have a demon? Do you want a demon? If you want a demon, I can recommend how you can get a demon. <laughs> Come on now. No, because the body of Christ is in this argument. You have this school of thought. You have that school of thought. And there is that consistent argument. Can this happen? Can that happen? My question to a true believer is, do you want a demon? The answer is no. My question to a true believer, do you want to lose your salvation? The answer is no. So the, 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 these questions, to be honest with you, are silly questions. So silly. Irrelevant questions. We run the race and we're going to finish it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And yes, in Jude, I think it's verse 20. I'm uh, sorry, verse 24. He's able to keep us from falling and to present us spotless before his glorious presence. So he keeps us. But the fact that he keeps us does not mean we don't have a mind of our own. Do you know that you can, you, can, you can enjoy to this service and be blessed in this service, but you might wake up the next day and you might just decide to ruin your life. You have a choice. Tell two people you have a choice. You've got a choice. The fact that, the fact that we, are, we are born again Christians don't mean that our minds are not actively at work anymore. Your mind is at work. Your choice is at work. Amen. So you can, you can just decide one day, I don't want to serve Jesus anymore. Can a Christian lose his salvation? Yeah, you can. You can just say, Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. I turn my back on you. I don't want to ever go with you. We talked about the race, but that's not going to be the case with us. Can someone say amen? amen. We will run our race. We will finish it in Jesus' name. God will keep us from falling, present us spotless on a daily basis before the glory of His presence. Can someone shout amen? amen. And the third week, we talked about the faith. Everyone said the faith. the faith. The fight, the race, the faith. The faith. Notice Paul said, um, I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Praise God. Amen. I've kept the faith. Today, I want to talk about the fourth path, and, and I'm going to finish with this. If you notice, it says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So today I want to speak to you about the reward. There is a reward. Amen. Those who finish their race well will get rewarded 
after we have been judged. Let me read that again. Those who finish their race well will get rewarded after we have been judged. Now I know somebody might be thinking, are we going to be judged? Will a believer in Christ be judged? And the answer is yes. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, you don't have to turn there, but listen. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and the sixth fundamental basic principle of Christ, as we see here, is eternal judgment. I want to say eternal judgment. I want you to notice it says eternal judgment, which means the decision made at this judgment can never be changed. The unbeliever will be judged for refusing and rejecting the gift of salvation in Christ. Let me read that again. The unbeliever will be judged for refusing and rejecting the salvation, the gift of salvation that Christ has made available to us. That is the judgment of the unbeliever. But the believer in Christ will be judged on how he or she used the privileges and gifts that he has in Christ. There's going to be two judgment seats. I want to say two judgment seats. The first is known as the great white throne judgment seat. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Everyone said the dead. Amen. Now, it's important that I had you repeat that because the believer in Christ does not die. The believer in Christ sleeps. But important, very important. The Bible does not refer to a believer in Christ as one who dies. Rather, as one who sleeps. We shall not all sleep. But we shall be changed. In a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. Right? But the trumpet of God shall sound. We don't die, we sleep. Because we wake up. Unbelievers die. Now, somebody might be thinking, what, what do you mean we don't die? People die, we put them six feet underground. Listen to what death is. Death is not the stop of an existence. Death is separation. Did you get that? What is death? 
Adam, don't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. For the day you shall eat of it, you will surely die. Correct? And the day he ate of the tree in the midst of the garden, he died. Did he die immediately? Yeah, he did. Spiritually. <laughs> did he die immediately physically? No. Because he lived out. Actually, I wouldn't say he lived out his life. Today we say that because he was not created to die in the first place. But he lived for 930 years. Before he died physically. But he died spiritually. That was exactly what God was saying. The day you eat of it, you shall die. So the moment Adam ate, his body did not drop down in the garden. But what happened? He died. Because death is not the stop of existence. Death is separation. So spiritual death happened when Adam ate. He was disconnected from the Zoe life of God. Are you listening to me? Then eventually, nine, 930 years later, it died physically. So if we now understand what death means, we understand that it is Adam's spirit and soul coming out of the house. So spiritual death is separation from the life of God. Physical death is separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. While eternal death is the combination of the first two. Did you get that? So the believer in Christ no more dies. Because the believer in Christ is connected back to God. Are you saying that? And the believer in Christ when he comes out of this house. Right? For this tabernacle. That's what the Bible calls it. For if this... If this earthly house of this tabernacle be destroyed, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Right? So this is just a house. One day, we will check out. Just like you check out of a hotel room. We're just using this right now because we need to stay in touch with the natural world. That's why we have the physical body. Are you listening to me? So the day comes when we check out of this body. When we check out of this body, Paul describes it this way. He says, absence in the body is present with the Lord. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So it says, for me, I would like to be with the Lord right now. But I'll stay back because of you. Absent in the body, is present with the Lord. I had an experience. I'm just reminded right now about the Lord. I guess it was 1990, if I'm not mistaken. I wake up in the morning. I come out of the bedroom. I go into the living room. It was about 5 a.m. And I go on my knees by the couch. The moment I knelt down by the couch to pray. Before I sang a worship song, which was 
Basically, that's the way I, I, I like to worship God first. Before I sang a worship song, I, I came out of the body. When I came out of the body, I am, I am suspended in the atmosphere. And while I was suspended in the atmosphere, I looked and I saw the body still kneeling down in the posture of prayer. 1919. And the Lord was showing me some, the Lord wanted to show me some things. You know. Don't look at me that way now. <laughs> Paul talked about this. He said, I knew a man 14 years ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But this man was cut up to heaven. Right? I knew a man 14 years ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But this man went to the third heaven. Paradise. And he saw things that you can't tell here on earth. Bible scholars believe that he was talking about himself. He was just being humble about it. So he said, I knew a man. Instead of saying it happened to me. Now that's why he says here, and, and, and that there was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great. Now the, the, the term small and great is an expression that you see a lot in the Bible, but in the book of Revelations alone, you see the term small and great over five times. Over five times. This expression refers to Everybody that's not saved. The term small and great means wealthy and poor, chubby and slim, tall and short, white and black and blue and purple. It doesn't matter. Small and great here is a representation of everyone that is not saved. doesn't matter your financial status. It does not matter your social status. It does not matter your country you're coming from. It does not matter your race and your color. Everyone that has not given their hearts to Jesus are going to stand before the white throne judgment. And guess what the Bible says here? It says they were standing before God and books were opened. There was the books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead. That one said the dead. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the de and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Sing that now. Now notice, it said this is the second death. What? Is the first death. Huh? What is the first death? Pardon? Don't worry if you fail, I'll correct you. <laughs> the separation. That separation is the first death. Don't forget I told you. There's spiritual death. There's physical death. There's eternal death. But in this case... God is not putting into consideration physical death. Because see, this body, look at your, to do this. That's just a house. That's just a house. But unfortunately, 
people give more attention to the house than the person who lives in it. We paint it up. We brush it up. We wear all kinds of things on it. Dark shade. Some of you, your future is too bright. You need, you need shade. You need dark shade to, 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 to dim it a little bit. We do all kinds of things to the body. But the question is, which is more important? The house or the tenant? <laughs> huh? We care too much about the house. Paint the house, refurbish the house, renovate the house. Blue paint, pink paint, and yellow paint, and buy all kinds of equipment into the house. But the owner of the house is dying of starvation. <laughs> Haven't you seen people who care much more about what they drive and what they wear? Haven't you seen them? Because you know, a lot of people draw their identity from their stuff. What kind of phone do you use? That's their identity. What kind of suit do you wear? What kind of house do you live in? Because we live in such a time where people like to impress. Preaching good now, say amen. amen. They have a huge phone, but there's no credit. No credit in the phone. Years ago, they used to laugh at me because I had this, I had this, because really, let me be honest with you, I don't know, if you know me, I, this stuff don't really move me, to be honest with you, this stuff don't move me. This stuff don't move me. What do you drive? What do you, I don't, this stuff don't really move me, to be honest, I can jump on, jump on the bus. <laughs> people, are, people are using the bus. Takes me from point A to point B. <laughs> so back then, I had this phone. I don't know, Nokia, whatever. It was this <laughs> motor, what's it, Motorola, whatever. And, but whenever I wanted to make a call, put a call through, I could. Because my phone was always loaded. And then you had all these guys, they had iPhone 3 that back then, iPhone 3 and iPhone 4, whatever, Galaxy, and, but when they wanted to make a call, guess who they come to? They're always coming to me, Pastor, I want to make a call, please, can I use your phone? <laughs> you have a smartphone. Your phone is not smart enough. Because <laughs> you see, a lot of people, they, they draw their identity from the stuff. What they wear and the house they're leaving and the car they drive and the, the, the makeup and the, all of that. 
and give no attention to the real person. The real person will stand before God and be judged. It is the real person. Not the necklace. I, let me just hold myself here. <laughs> no, look at some pink people today. They're fake. Too many fake. Fake. Many things are fake today. You don't know what's original now with some people. It's so fake. So fake. Some people's hair is fake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was referring to guys. <laughs> I was I was referring to guys. No, no, don't I, I was referring. Lord, you are my witness. I was <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, I was actually referring to guys. Like, you know, some don't have, like Pastor Ozoma. They have no, no hair. No hair, there's nothing on it. So they don't bother. They don't pay nobody. They don't come. They, they don't have to do anything. Just wake up, take your bath, come to church. No stress. Free. Look at freedom. Free. The man is free. Amen. But the rest of you. Capsin, you're free. Nothing to bother about. It's all shining all the time. Nothing. Don't, don't worry. We, you're good. And I like it. I like it. Amen. But some, you have to do all kinds of things. Amen. Namdi has been trying to grow his own for some years now. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm losing some in the middle of myself. I'm still I'm I'm walking on it. I told my wife the other day, see the, the cream on the table, does it grow hair? <laughs> Ah, I tell you, we live in such a time where there's too many fake plastic. Plastic. It's a lot of plastic. There's even plastic rice. You know that? There's plastic rice, there's, there's plastic, plastic uh, cabbage, plastic spaghetti. Oh, you don't know? Plastic. Plastic face. <laughs> plastic. <laughs> okay, let's... Um, All the plastics will be revealed. 
<laughs> I love this message, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm getting blessed by it. Hallelujah. So, you see, so everyone that's not saved, they're going to stand before the white throne judgment. Seat of Christ. Christ has been given the right to judge the world. The Bible says God's committed judgment into him, into his hands. And he'll judge the world in righteousness. The second judgment seat is called Bema. Now the purpose of the Bema judgment is not to determine whether you enter into heaven or not. This is a judgment seat for believers in Christ only. So the purpose is to determine what reward you get based on how you lived here on earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Notice what it says, for the day. I want to say the day. Now, what does that mean? The day means judgment day. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. What are we talking about? Reward, the reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So we understand that everyone that stands before the Bema seat uh, of Christ are believers in Christ. Those who stand before the white throne judgment seat are unbelievers. So the Bema seat, like I said, is not designed to judge you for your sin because your sin has been judged when Jesus Christ took your sin on the cross of Calvary. So a Christian will not be judged for sin because the sin has been judged. A believer in Christ will be judged for what he has done with the abilities, with the grace, with the gifts, with the resources that God put in his hands while he is on the earth. From the very day he gave his life to Christ. Can someone say amen? amen? So the reward of the believer when he gets to heaven is determined by the way he or she lives here on earth. The motive behind everything you do will be revealed because there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Gold, silver, and precious stones represent works done well with the right motive. Work which carries eternal consequences. But wood, hair, and stubble represents works not done well. Fleshly works. Works done for show. Do you know that even in church you can do things in church just to show yourself? No man sees that because only God knows the motive of every man. Amen. But God sees it. So whenever you serve in the house of God and you do it to be seen, you do it as a show, you do it with a wrong motive, 
You do it complaining. You do it grumbling. You, you do it in front of me, but behind me you say something different. I don't see behind me, but God sees behind me. Are you listening now? They're always asking for money all the time. You give. Whenever you complain, don't give. Don't give because the money is a waste. Don't give. When you're cleaning and sweeping the church, vacuuming the carpet, cleaning the stuff, and you're... Mm, me. Is it only me here? Am I the only one here? Pastor does not know. The supervisor does not know. That while you were cleaning the toilet, you were complaining. So the supervisor goes into the toilet or the pastor goes in there and says, wow, they've done a good job. They even come to you and say, congratulations. Thank you so much. You're one of our best workers. But God saw what the pastor didn't see. That's why the Bible says, nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Where will all these things be revealed? At the judgment seat. So even though you worked hard, physically worked hard, because your attitude was terrible, you lost a reward. Isaiah 119, what does it say? If ye be willing and obedient, willingness deals with your attitude. Obedience deals with your actions. The two must come together for you to get a reward. Notice what it says. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Are you listening to me? Is this helping anybody? So at this point, it is important. Listen now. It's important we talk about the way you use your time. Everyone say time. Right. Treasure. Everyone say treasure. Right. Talent. Everyone say talent. Right. Tongue. Everyone say tongue. Everyone said these are very important. The four T's. Your time, your treasure, your talent, and your tongue. Invest your time into the kingdom. Use your treasure to promote God's projects. Your talent. Do you know everyone has a talent? Do you know there is no one in this place that has no talent? Everyone has something. Some have the talent of singing. Some have the talent of playing music. Some have the talent of leadership. Are you listening to me? I want to see some people, they are very relational. Have you seen them? But then on the other hand, you see some people, they are very introverted. And the intro introverts also are gifted. Very, very gifted. Whatever the talent that God's giving to you, invest it for the good of the kingdom of God. Invest it for the good of humanity. You know what that's, what's going to happen? God shall reward you for that. Your tongue is the last T. Everything you say shall come into account. The Bible says, by your words you are condemned, and by your words you are justified. It's important what you say. Are you listening to me? It's important what you say. 
And don't be involved in what the Bible calls coarse jesting. Don't be involved in, 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 uh, in uh, filthy, filthy jokes. Keep your, keep your tongue clean. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Now, rewards are spoken of as crowns. The Bible talks about number one crown that we shall get. It's called the incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Notice what it says. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. So number one crown that we shall receive is incorruptible crown. Number two crown is known as a crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. But what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Number three crown, crown of righteousness. Second Timothy 4.8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love is appearing. Number four, crown number four, crown of glory. First Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Number five crown, crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But thou, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Someone shout amen. amen. Someone shout amen. amen. Our Christian walk and our Christian race it's not without reward. God will reward us. Everything you do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. When you do it as if you're doing it to man, you'll be expecting your pay from man. But when you do it as if you're doing it to God, your eyes are going to be fixed on God. And when your eyes are fixed on God, God will abundantly reward you. And yes, of course, we know that when we get to heaven, God rewards us. But I also need you to know that eternity has already started. God also rewards us here on this side of eternity. Can someone say amen? amen. 